Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. A pastor is summoned to a nursing home in rural Wisconsin to offer the commendation of the dying to an elderly member of the congregation nearing the end of his life. His words bring comfort and peace to the assembled family as they gather together to share stories, to comfort one another, and to await their loved one's final breath. Welcome to the kingdom. A young mother tentatively steps into the lobby of a small uh, congregation in Kansas, seeking some assistance to pay a long overdue power bill. A member of the congregation who has volunteered to, to serve sits with her, listens to her story, prays with her, and contacts the power company to pay her debt. Welcome to the kingdom. A homeless man is found sleeping on the sidewalk in front of a, a Georgia church early one Sunday morning. The elder who finds him welcomes him inside, provides him with a grocery bag full of food, and invites him to stay for worship. Welcome to the kingdom. On Sunday morning, you line up the rail in front of the altar, and your king feeds you with his very own body and blood, taking away your sins, strengthening your faith, and building you up in his image. Welcome to the kingdom. What does it mean to be in the kingdom of God? Well, Pilate struggles to understand this in today's gospel, and I suppose it can be hard for us uh, as well, who are actually in the kingdom of God, to grasp. Our sermon series for this Lent is focused on God's calling, which we first heard in the book of Joel. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. We've seen our own sinfulness. We've also heard how God continues to pursue us, encourage us to turn from our sins and to return to him. And today the invitation is for us to return to the kingdom of God. And our readings lead us to consider what exactly that phrase entails. Right? We hear that phrase, the kingdom of God. And we tend to imagine that it's a place. Maybe the, the kingdom of God is confined to the walls of a church where God does some of his most visible and, and obvious work. Certainly it's here, but it's not limited to this place. Perhaps the, perhaps the kingdom of God kind of follows pastors around, sort of a, a mobile kingdom centered on the things that God does through some of his most devoted or humble servants. But that doesn't seem right either, since we have all heard of stories of pastors who have fallen from grace or embarrassed themselves or scandalized their congregation with human uh, failures. No, it certainly cannot be centered on pastors. What if the kingdom of God is purely heavenly? Maybe it's all about the day when we will be in his presence under his protection when we have moved on from this earthly life. That can't be it either. Jesus Christ broke into this world. He took on our flesh, died for our sins, and he did that all right here. 
You can even visit the very places where he was born, the place where he grew up, the place where he died. It seems kind of silly to to argue that all of this happened outside the kingdom of God. After all, if it's not where Jesus is, well, then where could it possibly be? The chief priests turned Jesus over to the Roman government that Friday morning, and their intention was clear. This man must die. Pilate tried to de-escalate the whole thing, but, but he was backed into a corner. So he brought Jesus in and tried to get to the bottom of it. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. This was no idle question. Pilate clearly understood what the chief priests had been up to, and he had a pretty good idea of why Jesus had been turned over to him. Best to get right to the point and lay it all out on the table. But Jesus can't answer just can't can't just answer a question like that, at least not if he hopes at being understood. Pilate has a particular understanding of what it means to be a king. And Jesus' kingship doesn't really fit into any of Pilate's categories. Now, he could admit that he's a king, but but Pilate wouldn't understand that. He might think that Jesus was, was vying for political power, that he was a threat to the Roman Empire, but he's not. He is king on a whole different plane. Jesus probes, essentially asking, did you come up with that question all by yourself or did someone tell you to ask it? Pilate's in no mood to play games with this man. Listen, I'm not a Jew, and frankly, I don't care who the king of the Jews might be, but you've rubbed someone the wrong way and and they've turned you over to me. So help me understand what this is all about. Jesus tries his best to explain to this man who doesn't grasp who Jesus is and who doesn't understand why he is standing in front of him. It's not like a kingdom that you would imagine. If it were, my followers would be riding in the streets and staging a coup, but they're not because it's not that kind of kingdom. It's something else. It's something bigger, something much more important. Pilate chews on that for a moment. So you are a king then. Jesus' answer is terrific. You say that I'm a king, which is a little like him answering. Now you're starting to get it. But he goes on to explain that he is the kind of king who has come into the world to point folks to something more important than they had ever understood before. He came to bear witness to the truth. And if you get it, then you get it. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. See, at that point, Pilate basically gives up. But you don't. Because you are of the truth. And even when you don't fully get it, you do have some understanding. As we went through those scenarios at the beginning of the message, I'm sure several of you were nodding your heads. You understood that the the kingdom of God is not about geographical boundaries. And it's not about particular groups of people. 
It's about Jesus. It's about the work of the Holy Spirit. It's about a loving God who invites, forgives, encourages, and builds up. The kingdom of God exists wherever the loving activity of God is playing out. In hospital operating rooms where miraculous healings occur, in drug treatment programs where addicts who have hit rock bottom finally manage to control their demons and begin to to dig out of their situations, in food pantries where people in need find love and care and provision, around flagpoles where young people gather to pray before school, in a voters' meeting where the whole congregation comes together and agrees to build a a preschool to to care for the youngest members in their community and to share the love of God with their families. See, God calls us to be part of his rule and his reign, to witness the, the work that he is doing in our midst and to participate in it, to play our role as hands and feet of God, to share his love with others both inside the church and outside of it. That's the kingdom that God has called you to. So rejoice, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that you are subject to the one who has created you, the one who has redeemed you, and the one who sanctifies you. For he is the best king in all creation. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our King. Amen.